welcome to Quok Talk. I'm Crystal here, long time no see for those of you who haven't seen my show. I'm back for a special program today in highlighting and introducing this fabulous festival here at, in Hawaii. It's the Asia Pacific Dance Festival 2019. You know, it comes every two years. We have programs every year, but this is a special one. Um, and we always bring together uh, dance companies from different parts of the world to come together and unite through dance. Cultures through dance is a really important and interesting way of communicating and celebrating uh, different cultures. So today, we have a special guest all the way representing Malaysia from this dance company called the Ask Dance Company. The founder is here with me, the artistic director. Let us welcome Professor Joseph Gonzalez. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Crystal. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, our connection for people who don't know is uh, Professor Gonzalez lives in Hong Kong now. That's and right. You are the chair of the dance program at the Hong Kong Academy of Performing Arts. No, I am. In, I'm the head of the master's program. Master's program. And I'm also the well. My title is very long. Oh, let's hear yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the head of academic studies and the program leader for the masters in uh -huh. dance. You know. Okay. So I've been there for three years now, and you live there. For, for a long over time. 20, I know, I've lost count after 20. <laughs> but it's crazy in Hong Kong now, yeah? Yes, very sad. Um, I, and I really feel for the people of Hong Kong. I feel their spirit. I feel their agony. Mm. And um, I, I really think there's so much uncertainty about their future. Yeah. You know? And it's affecting everyone. It the is. world. Absolutely. I mean, it's world news. Absolutely. And, and bringing it back to dance is perhaps one day somebody will trigger this into some kind of a dance performance. Yes, and I think you're absolutely spot on about that. Uh, the fact that I think all of us see dance as something that we can use yes. to, to send a message and to, to unite people and to, to sensitize people about issues that are important. You yes. know? So I think this is how I have always seen dance. And I come from a country which also has its own share of problems. <laughs> I mean, which country doesn't, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the only That's way that I feel a little bit better about everything. <laughs> yeah, so we've had a lot of uh, problems of our own. You know? So we have a, a long history of colonization. Um, you know, that began in the 15th, 16th centuries with the Portuguese and then the Dutch and then um, the English, the British until 1957. Right. So, you know, so it, all this is embedded and through um, the history of colonization, of course, we are grateful for education and for them to look at our, you know, laws and systems of uh, judiciary. But at the same time, I think we lost so much, you know. And the fact that my name is Joseph Gonzalez, which is an incredibly Hispanic <laughs> name for somebody who looks like yeah. this. <laughs> you said it, I didn't. Yeah. So, you know, people are confused. And why do you have this name? And it's right. because, you know, the Portuguese went to Goa and Kerala and India, and then they went to Malacca. Yeah. And this is why, you know, all my relatives were, um, you know, they were baptized and we became Catholics oh, wow. and we were given all these names. So if I go back a few generations, I'm sure... My name is nothing like what it is yeah, today, but yeah. you've just got to deal with this and you've got to move on. You but know? that's interesting. Not just the name, but your body, you growing up in Malaysia, are embodying culture yes. in so many ways. That's and right. I want to link it to your dance company and how, how dance embodies culture and how does your company do that? Yes. Because I know you embrace both tradition and modern. So let's that's talk right. about the dance company. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I think you know dance quite well, yeah. you know, so you understand the complexities, the challenges, the difficulties of trying to sustain yourself in a career in dance. <laughs> and when you graduate from a school of dance, you know, you're maybe 21, 22, or anything from that till 25, let's say. Yeah. And, you know, if you're well trained, and I hope that I instituted a good program in the National Arts Academy, I was dean there for about 15 years. Mm. And... Uh, 
And I, and I felt that uh, we needed to have a dance program that uh, embodied what the nation represented and all the different ethnicities that were in Malaysia. Which and include what? Because it was, it's a, such a mix. Yeah, it's a mix. And the, the, the majority are Malays, right. indigenous, um, original. Right. So Malays could also be Javanese, Bugis, and so on that come from the other regions in the archipelago. So it's quite complicated. Yeah. And then you've got Chinese and the yes. Indians who came into Malaysia, you know, um, centuries ago right. because they were brought into work the um, rubber estates. They were brought into uh -huh. work the uh, tin mines, so or owned them eventually. So uh, it's really an interesting, um, you know, you could call it a melting pot, a salad bowl of people right. that came together in this little peninsula yeah. and made that their home. But how does that turn into Malaysian culture? Yeah, so what, this is really, is... Uh, it becomes a political issue as well, right. you know. So we have what we call a, a national cultural policy, you know, that they say that all cultures should be represented and so on and so forth. But we also are asked to look at uh, Islam as the, the big representation of our country okay. as well. So this is problematic for people who are not right. Muslim, you know. So uh, in all these years of negotiating these cultures, I firstly, I felt it was very important to get these dance forms into the curriculum of okay. the school. And it meant a lot of research. It meant uh, locating the dance masters. So many of them um, had already stopped practicing. You know, uh -huh. they, they couldn't sustain their livelihood right. as artists. Right. So they moved art. on to do different things. Right. So getting them into the college, getting them to come in to teach and so on to and so forth. To teach the traditional dance of the original. Yes, yes. So it, it took a long time to, to find them. And wow. then it took a long time to eventually look at what then would be appropriate for a curriculum uh -huh. that would see sort of incremental learning and right. you could look at it uh, holistically, you know. Okay. So, um, and historically and technically. That's right. You know, so we had to look into so many different right. aspects. It took about 10 years for me oh, to wow. do this. You know, um, was this your vision something you've always wanted to do? How did, what did, how did this turn into a dance company? Yeah, so I, I don't know about vision, I really don't, you know. So I am the type of person I think I always address whatever problem I see, whatever needs addressing. Okay. So I begin with that and I look at, okay, what do I need to do? What do what don't we have? Okay. You know, so I ask questions, hence the name of the company Is as that well. Right? Okay, you know? I was gonna ask so you. <laughs> it's always about asking and I think the way to live a like life or uh -huh. a grand life is to always ask the appropriate questions and how do you respond to a certain situation? So mm. if something happens, if you're not happy with it, what question are you asking yourself about it? Mm. How do you respond to it? Mm. And the only way I was always responding to all these things around me was through dance. Huh. You know, so I, I thought that, yeah, so being part of the curr curriculum, locating dancers that were lost, uh, reinventing, re um, traditional dancers, right. you know, so, so, a, so much work was done in yeah. that. Yeah. I see that you um, include a lot of uh, modern kind of uh, dance style yes. too. So there's a lot of technique and, and balletic too. I mean, they yes. saw some video clips. So, you know, in addition to all the traditional kind of concepts that people need to embrace is all the technical training for a classical dancer. Yes. So how do you even have the resources to combine the both and to create creative pieces yes. based on these two people? Well, I think we're very lucky that when they started the National Academy in Malaysia, the government was really interested in investing uh, and finding 
the right people to, to helm these programs. Mm. And I must say they were incredibly generous with the budgets and so on. So okay. there was hardly a time when they turned to me and said, no, you can't do this. Right. So all I had to do was convince them why it was necessary. Okay. It was necessary to, to bring a master from quite far away, perhaps, mm -hmm. house them in the city for right. a week, two okay. weeks, a month, maybe, a semester, possibly. But did so, you have pressure of doing more traditional because it's supported and financed by or funded by this national? Mm -hmm. um, the Arts Academy? Yeah. No. Um, Again, this was very interesting because the vision of the uh, people who founded it, and I was one of the founding lecturers, okay. but I didn't really think that it would go in this direction. You know, I didn't think we'd think be, it was be so successful. You know, <laughs> I really didn't. I really didn't know what we were doing. You know, we'd never had a in full-time institution in our country before. Wow. And the reason that I was one of the founding lecturers was that there were maybe five of us who had trained overseas. Uh -huh. So I went to England and I did, you know, uh, I would have loved to be a ballet dancer and a contemporary dancer. Okay. In, you know, my dream was to be in like Dance Theatre of Harlem or oh. Alvin Ailey. That was my big <gasps> right, dream, right. you know. But it never happened. I mean, I couldn't even get a visa to come into America oh. in those days. You, you see, know? people take that stuff for granted here in the states. Yeah, it's so, so I'm glad hard. You, said that. you know, yeah. yeah, it's so hard. So I was okay. rejected several times because they thought I would be a risk to come into the country and look for work. You see, the whole immigration thing is real. Yes, and the still. Fear yeah. of outside, that's what I'm saying. That's right, yeah. you know, yeah. so I just think that, uh, so you have to, as a dancer, you have to address questions again. So you can't, I'm not saying that I would have definitely got into these companies. It's so hard to get into them. But you've got to, you have to try, of right? Course. And this is what life is about. You have to knock on doors. Yeah, you have to. Non-stop. So this is what I really wanted to do. Because one of my teachers in the UK yeah. was trained in Alvin Ailey, and she danced there for a couple of years, right. you see. So I really loved the style, and I thought, you know, yeah. this is what I really want to do. Now, you're mentioning um, Al people who don't know Alvin Ailey or Dance of Harlem is, is quite strong in the African-American heritage-based style. Yes. Now, um, you know, racism is a huge issue now here in the United States and probably all over the world. Yes. How does race or discrimination play in dance world? Yes. Well, it's such a complicated question, you know. This is, uh, Malaysia is a country, I think, almost like no, no other. Because when the British left Malaysia in 1957, there was a social contract put in place between the British and the locals that, in, uh, that gave special preference, it's called Article 153, mm -hmm. uh, to the locals who uh, were indigenous. And for them, that meant born uh, Malay. And Malay okay. also equated to Muslim. Ah. So someone like myself, uh, we are classified as our original race, which is Indian, Chinese, and so on. So although I am Malaysian by nationality, so the fact that I'm Indian is also important. Right. In the, in the sense that everything then goes to, um, so, you know, you are judged, you are given places in universities for education, right, right. for property, for jobs, based on race. Yes. So it goes according to a quota of 70% for the Malays, 25% for the Chinese, and, you know, some 5% for the Indians. So this is really a complicated situation to grow up in. Right. But I think you use it positively. Okay. And I'm saying, like, look, if I want to be a success, I have to work twice as hard as everybody yeah. else. I have to work three times as hard as everybody else. And I did. You know, and my parents were, you know, if you don't get to university, 
you're going to be working in the petrol station down the road, right, you know? So right, this was a typical Asian yeah. parent threat, right? <laughs> yeah. so you know it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So this is drummed into our heads yeah. every single day right. of our schooling years, yeah. you know, when my parents were so strict. Yeah. I mean, they would think nothing of walking around the table while the children were doing homework right. and hitting them if they thought we were not paying attention. Right, this was normal. normal you Whereas know? in the States, you, get, you can sue your parents for hitting <laughs> yeah. you. Oh, no. <laughs> this was our life, right. you know? Right. So I think that is also reflected in dance in the country. But ironically, um, and perhaps understandably, so the Chinese and the Indian cultures, because they're cultures of immigra immigrants right. in the country, they have really flourished. And they have flourished because there's grassroots support for it. Yes. So every Indian parent says, I need my child to study Bharatanatyam or Odissi or Kathak or study yeah. the tabla or the sita or something. Yes. So they feel the terrible need for the child to do this. Yes. And the Chinese parents usually get it from schools, the right. private Chinese schools. Now, for the majority Malay race, which is so weird, I think they've taken it for granted huh. because they have special privileges. So perhaps they didn't take so much effort in getting to know their own culture and then so much of it got lost and then you throw in the aspect of uh, islamization right. and then in the 70s there was a huge um, um, like a revolution of uh, muslim thought and and they banned a lot of uh, art forms and they banned female performers i was going to say yes. how does that yeah yeah the so in the 70s in so they were not allowed to perform you know so a lot of the things were lost but what then happens is that there's grassroots um, practice of these art forms. And so it becomes almost like, a, you know, a resistance at okay. a very basic level when of was these this? art forms. In the 70s. In the 70s. In the 70s okay. And it carried so, on. So I think um, that, um, you know, combined with uh, the fact that we had some great scholars in Malaysia, yeah, yeah. and two of whom actually studied in Hawaii. Oh. And they did their master's and PhD here. Well, here, here is our link. Yeah. But let's bring it back. So this is very fascinating. Um, and a lot of people really don't know the depth of Malaysian culture. And I'm really appreciating you sharing all of this. But we can't do it all in such a yes. short time. Let's take a quick break. Digest a little bit of what Professor Gonzalez is teaching us. And let's come back and we'll go back into the dance company from Malaysia and how dance can represent culture and how we can flourish through dance and continue on our conversation. So don't go away. Aloha. I'm Keisha King, host of At the Crossroads, where we have conversations that are real and relevant. We have spoken with community leaders from right here locally in Hawaii and all around the world. Won't you join us on thinktechhawaii.com or on YouTube on the ThinkTech Hawaii channel. Our conversations are real, relevant, and lots of fun. I'll see you at the crossroads. Aloha. Aloha, I'm Winston Welch, host of Out and About. It's a show that we have every other Monday on Think Tech Live here. We explore a variety of topics that are really interesting. We explore organizations, events, and the people who fuel them in our city, state, country, and world. We've got some amazing guests on here, like all the shows at ThinkTech. So if you want to catch up on stuff, tune into my show every other Monday and other shows here on ThinkTech Live. It's a great place to learn about stuff, to be informed. And uh, if you have some ideas, come on my show. Let's talk about it. See you later. And aloha.
Welcome back to Quok Talk. I'm Crystal here talking to Professor Joseph Gonzalez from the Ask Dance Company of Malaysia. He is here to celebrate and to communicate and share the cultures of Malaysia in the Asia Pacific Dance Festival that's happening this weekend. I'll give you more information on that later. But before we continue our conversation, let's take a look at a little promo clip of the Ask Dance Company so we get a little flavor of what they're all about and we'll come back and talk. We're so lucky to have the Ask Dance Company here to perform at UH. And I'll give you those information later. It's in early August. But back here in the studio with Professor Joseph Gonzalez, we are talking about cultures and how we um, embed culture in our bodies and how dance is a form to express that, particularly with Malaysia's complicated and yep. complex kind of history that you were trying to explain. Now, I would like to focus a little bit on the women. You mentioned earlier, which is fascinating, how uh, because of the Muslim um, influence that women were not allowed to perform as in Iran and a lot of places. Yeah. So now it's changed, but how has that affected the woman's position, their identity and their voice in Malaysia today? Yes. Um, again, uh, I need to clarify that because of our very complex yes. uh, political situation, uh, two states in Malaysia, which I think were possibly the richest states artistically, mm. were the ones that banned female performers huh. and a lot of the traditional performances and some of which we will actually perform here uh, next week oh, uh, in the show. You know? so, and that piece. one, yes, uh, ah. which you're looking at is called the Mangadap Rabab, which comes from Makyong, which actually the East-West Centre brought here two years ago. So Makyong is one of these art forms which has um, uh, been proclaimed as the UNESCO Oral and Intangible Heritage in 2005. And so a lot of work went into the, the pro proclamation and the fact that we needed to proclaim it so that we can get money for it to sure, then promote sure. it and tour it and so on. Um, so the government did a very good job. So the federal government is not the state government. So it was the state government that banned it. Okay. But the federal government actually didn't ban it, you see. So what happened was there was a migration of performers uh -huh. from the local to the, to the city centre. Uh -huh. But not all the masters decided to migrate. Some of them said, no, I really want to stay here and I want to continue doing the work in the community. Right. Whereas others said, yes, I will come to Kuala Lumpur and I will work at the National Academy. But they and can so dance, on. it's just they can't dance publicly, is that right? That's right, okay. yes. So um, there were so many restrictions placed on them and placed on the performances. Because a lot of these performances have um, some kind of um, you know, animistic, uh -huh. ritualistic backgrounds. So when, and that is seen as in conflict with Islam, huh. you know. So the fact that, you know, you have a, a prayer to open this, to appease the spirits, for example, which I think is very similar to Hawaiian culture. It's very mm. similar to 
indigenous cultures all yeah. over the world, you right. know. So um, I, I really um, advocate uh, women's rights and positions within the company. There is um, no uh, hierarchy, okay. you know. Uh, the, the girls are allowed to perform and we encourage to perform whenever they can and in whatever pieces they want to. They're encouraged to choreograph and so on. And what has happened because of the National Arts Academy in Malaysia, we've had a huge revival of these traditional forms. And many wonderful young girls mm -hmm. have become um, really expert at traditional forms that they possibly could not have done if they were back home in their home state. Right. This is the irony. And, um, and I think uh, there's a strong advocacy for women's rights in Malaysia by women's groups. Oh, um, Ivy Josiah, who is uh, or was the head of a women's rights organization mm -hmm. for several decades, I believe. Interestingly, she was a dancer as well. Oh, wow. You know, so there's these great. kinds of yeah. connections. Yeah. And Marina Mahathir, who's the daughter of the current prime minister, who's 93 right. years yes, old, the, old, yeah, the wonderful man, right. you know, so... Uh, she also advocates, um, you know, the ad advocacy for uh, looking at gender issues, looking at AIDS, looking at all these things that people want to sweep under the carpet. But in general, though, the women, the younger generation now, are they expected to play that domestic role and not be encouraged to go out there and do some career and just, you know, be that? Place? I think it's really changing. And okay. it's even changed with uh, people of my generation where, you know, there are more girls in universities in Malaysia than boys. Okay. You know, so this is a very good sign. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they have positions in high office. Mm. Uh, the deputy prime minister is a woman. Mm. So this is something that's very new for Malaysia. Uh, however, I think deep-seated, deep down, ingrained in the minds of Chinese and immigrant uh, Indians, and in the Asian yeah. mentality is that, yes, I love you to dance. I love you to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> but... but you know, you're 25, don't you think you should get married and have children <laughs> oh now? You God. know, Things So there has the, the, that kind of pressure. And as a teacher, yeah. uh, you know, I, I suppose I do exert a fair amount of influence over my students. Of course. You, know, and you I have like a to, huge responsibility. Yes, and I'm always, and I'm not just the only one. There are other teachers like myself. And we're always drumming it into them. You know, you've got all this education. You've yeah. got all this knowledge. Yeah. What do you want to do with it, yeah. you know? So if you do get married and we want you to be happily married right. and have children, right. it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, you need to find somebody who's going to allow you to do this. And to respect you who for respects your what you do, right. you know. Yes. And we have one, one of our dancers in our company is married and she has a child and her husband is really beautiful. And we, when we have great. like our, you know, our little prayer sessions and our yeah. gatherings, and I'm always thanking him for being who he is and being open-minded nice. and, right. and seeing that, his wife is born with a certain talent that right. she has nurtured right. and she has and every right that. to, you know, so I think that it's beautiful. beautiful. You know, I wanted to bring in the theme of the Asia Pacific Dance Festival this year. It's called, the Hawaiian word is ho'ala, um, which is to awaken. awaken. And it's a beautiful concept. Yes. Uh, it could be a spiritual, obviously, but it's also embedded in so many different ways. How do you awaken yourself? So that kind of reminds me of like women coming, you know, being awakened by something that deep down inside draws them to want to express themselves through dance. Yes. Um, what are some other ways that Ask Dance Company can maybe represent that concept of awakening? Yeah, so I had thought uh, long and hard when we saw the um, theme of the mm -hmm. festival as to what kinds of dancers that we would like to bring. Right. And it's very interesting that in Malay culture, 
Uh, one of the dances that we are doing, the Mengadap Rebab, is the opening dance of the traditional dance theatre of Mak Yong. And this is the dance that, uh, we are not doing it in its entirety because it would actually take about half an hour long. Okay. You know, and we're not doing it with live music either. Ah. But the live music is very important. The singing is right. very important uh, because the Rebab is seen as a conduit for the spirit. And the song that they sing is the transformation of the character from the person to a god-king at the uh -huh. end of the song. So these things, I feel, the awakening of the spirit uh -huh. of the performance, So which is why I decided that this was the piece that we would bring uh, as one of the pieces. Um, and also in the Indian dance that we are doing, the Pushpanjali, which is the evocation and the acknowledgement of the audience and the spirits that are present, uh, the gods, the teachers, however you want to believe it and position yes. yourself, within that tradition is yeah. really important. So a dancer needs to always be awake to, yeah. to himself, herself, her senses, right. and by that also to sensitize anyone who's watching them. Mm. So I think this awakening of our roles as dancers mm -hmm. and then our role as citizens of a nation, citizens of the world. So we're always also talking to the students about um, their, their right to vote and what it means to have a say in your government, in your leadership, and so on, you know. Right. And the students have, I, and not necessarily within the company itself, but I always draw on examples in Malaysia that they can look at. Strong women who have, who have been very successful in the arts and who are making a, a name for themselves and who are here, having their voices heard, yes. you know. Marin de Cruz, Ida Redza, January Lau. They're, they're, they range from... 30 to 65, you know, but they're, they're, they're out there, they're dancing, they're working, they're raising their families, they're, they're doing everything to the best of their abilities, they're multitasking, oh, yeah. you know, like, it, oh, as women do, yes. you know, much better than men, I think. <laughs> so I think it's really important for dancers to understand and be awake to all these different yeah. roles that they play. How do you awake to combining, I know we don't have that much time left, but in the short time, to how you blend tradition without kind of appropriating it and, and using the modern contemporary forms to bring it to have relevance to yes. the younger generation, yes. just in a short blurb. Well, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, because I want to introduce the rest <laughs> right. of the show. Right. So in, uh, in two of the pieces that we'll be presenting on the two different days, yeah. um, it is a combination of the tradition and the contemporary. Okay. So the young people, you know, they love hip hop. Exactly. And, they, so and I don't want to take them, yeah, not ah. quite hip hop, but contemporary dance. <laughs> okay. So we don't want to take that away from them. Yeah. And I yeah. love dance. And I mean, we just finished a big tour with Malaysia's number one pop artist. Yeah. So these are the things that we do and we want to embrace it all. So we want to get all ages, all types of people into this festival to watch this. Absolutely. And I think they must come and watch it because, you know, we've okay. traveled 10 hours to get here. So, Joseph, we have three flyers that we want to promote right now. This one coming up, if you can get this in time, tomorrow is yes. the Living Art of Hula, and that is at the Orvis Auditorium at UH Manoa. So please come to that tomorrow at 7.30 for classic hula. It's beautiful. And what we've done in the last two days uh, that I've been here and we're going to do every yeah. day yeah. is we're learning about hula. We're yeah. learning the chants. We're learning from the yeah. experts. Uh, Michael Pili. Okay, Khan. and what's the next so, one? There's uh, one more that I wanted to quickly tell you is this Japanese, classical yes, Japanese yes. dance. And this, it's amazing that all these cultures yeah. exist and thrive in Hawaii. Yes. Oh, and no, we want to oh, yeah, And we want to watch it and, and we want to experience. To yeah. yes. And last but not least, let's show our um, final flyer, which is the piece that the Ask Dance me in part with 
the dancers of Dam and Lahala meet. Oh, yes. I pronounce that um, from Canada, and of course the Halau Hula Kanoe. Uh, so this right. is August third and fourth. Yes, and we'll be at the Kennedy Theatre, University of Hawaii, and uh, these these are ticketed performances, so you can get uh, from the number, the, call, the number yeah. to call there, or the website. And I really believe that both these concerts are really worth watching because they're both different, and you see a diversity from all the different cultures, okay. and yet you can see a thread that unites us all, you know. And that's I, key, yes. and that's what the festival brings together, is that's that thread right. yeah. to awaken everyone to that's the beauty right. of dance and culture that communicates through the body. It's just amazing. So, Professor Gonzalez, thank, thank, you. thank you so much. Thank you, I love being here and talking <laughs> about this. Come see the festival. Please do, please, please do. Please come and join. Thank you.